0: Well, good afternoon and welcome to the latest edition of ASA's podcast, Keeping It Real with Dr. Keel. I really need to find a different name for this thing. Um, but anyway, the subject of the day, week, month, year, whatever, is politics. Uh, not that I want to wander into this too boldly, but that was the conversation for the last several months. One of the things that drives me nuts about politicians when they start talking about the economy, and I understand why they do this, but it still irritates me, they talk about stuff that they have no control over. And this, I think, is by design, because if they talk about something that they have no control over, once they're in office they can't really be held responsible for anything because it's not their job i mean for the whole last year we've heard them going on and on and on about inflation and so we look at them and say okay we agree big problem what are you going to do about it and they said well it's really a big problem yes we've established that what are you going to do about it well i think it's a really big problem yeah, we get that. Um, we agree with you. What are you going to do about it? Well, unfortunately or fortunately, they don't have a whole lot to do with what to do about inflation. Inflation control is in the hands of the monetary authorities, which is the Fed. And we have watched the Fed trying to react to the high inflation rates all year. And the only tool they really have is the Fed funds rate. People aren't really that familiar with even what that rate is. I mean, the Fed funds rate is simply the rate that banks charge each other for overnight loans. So every day banks make all kinds of deals and they make all kinds of loans and they don't always have enough money on hand to cover the deal they just made. So every night they borrow from each other and they bring their reserves up to where they're supposed to be by federal law in mean, Fed edict. So that's the lowest rate. That's the late rate that the banks are going to basically do to kind of keep each other whole. Every other rate then gets derived from that eventually. It's not automatic. Rates do not have to change. The banks will differ for a while when it comes to what they do with prime rate, what they do with mortgages, what they do with any kind of loan because some banks will take it, as an opportunity to build market share and they'll be a little bit less than some other bank, you get the idea. So, when it comes to controlling inflation, it is not really in the hands of Congress. The things that have been driving inflation for the last several years have been very broad. I mean, at the beginning of the year, it was oil pricing and it was the supply chain. Both of those are still factors, a little less of a factor now than it was at the beginning of the year. We've seen oil prices come down a little, um, supply chains beginning to get a little better and now we're worried more about wages that's been the biggest driver is that wage costs have gone up as companies have been forced to respond to those inflation threats the challenge with wages is that unlike supply chain oil many of the others Those prices don't come down very easily. Wages don't retreat when things get better. They stay high. So if you gave somebody a raise, it's not like you can turn around next year and say, okay, things are different. We're taking your raise away. Once it's up, it stays up unless you actually lay the person off. And as we've been watching this year, layoffs have been relatively rare Companies are very reluctant to lose the worker they spent two to three years trying to recruit. So we've seen a lot less layoff activity, so wages have continued to spike. There has been an impact from money supply, but that faded for the most part in 21. We dumped 800 billion bucks uh, into the economy in 2020 to try to compensate for that recession. We ended up spending most of that as consumers in 21. So it's not playing a big role now, but it was definitely being stimulative in the first half of 21. So what do we expect politically if they're not going to be able to deal with some of these big headline issues that they complained about for months The three things that will be most different, I think, going into the coming congressional year, one is a lot less federal spending activity. You have the House of Representatives in the hands of the GOP now, and they're going to be a lot less interested in big spending programs. So a lot of the big spending ideas that were being thrown around last year probably will not come to fruition now. The ones that are still in the pipeline will likely continue to be funded. So a lot of that infrastructure money is still going to be distributed. And for the most part, states have been building this into their budget, so it's not appropriate to pull the rug out from under them right now. But new things, um, new programs around, oh, you know, worker activities, healthcare, you know, that kind of stuff, probably not going to make it through Congress. Related to that is going to be more conversation about the debt ceiling. We're the only country in the world that does it this way. Most countries, when they fight about the budget, fight about the budget. And if they're going to decide to cut the budget, they do it when they're discussing it. We go ahead and pass a budget we can't afford and then appropriate money for the budget we can't afford and then decide we have to borrow money to pay for the budget that we just passed, even though we knew we couldn't afford it when we passed it. So we go back to selling T-bills and we run up our debt even further, and the debt load right now is 130% of GDP. The only resort left for people who want to see spending cuts is to try to hold up that debt situation, sort of prohibit the U.S. from borrowing more money makes sense up to a point except that if you do that after you have gone through all the process of budgeting and appropriating it affects the value of the of the bond itself and when we have had conflicts over this we've seen the value of the US bond drop almost into troublesome territory which makes everything else in the economy more expensive so it's really the worst conceivable way to protest against excess spending But you've got political parties that are on both sides of inactivity. I mean, the Republicans will not consider tax increases and the Democrats still like to spend. So it's like, well, you need to do one or the other, preferably both. You need to figure out a way to get more revenue in and you need to figure out a way to quit spending it when you don't have it. So whether we actually have that debate, I'm not holding my breath. The third thing we can expect from Congress is a lot more scrutiny of regulatory activity. The regulatory activity is in the hands of the executive, so that will not change. It's still the responsibility of the executive to put out these regulations, but Congress has the ability to slow down some of that process and and kind of impact where the regulations are, how stringent they'll be. They can hold hearings. They can interrupt the financing of some of these departments, et cetera. So they're likely to play a much more active role. The areas that are likely to be targeted, those around finance, those around climate change issues, and those around workers. So for the last couple of years, you've seen a lot of regulations about restricting banks and restricting the finance sector. You've seen a lot of regulations around energy use and climate change. You've seen a lot of regulations around workers' rights, union rights. Those may slow down because you're going to see more opposition coming from Congress on those. Many of them will sneak through anyway, but but some more high-profile high ones will be under consideration. And related to that, Congress is likely to take a more critical attitude of the people who get put on those various boards, whether it's the Fed's Board of Governors or the FAA or the Oversight Committees for the Banking System or OSHA or whatever. I mean, there's going to be a lot more scrutiny of who's going to be on those boards and who's not. So nothing dramatic. It's not like Congress is going to come to power and, and pass a law against inflation. It just doesn't work that way. But they are going to be kind of more active in the the more subtle kind of legislative realm. It's probably also going to be an opportunity for the center to play a bigger role, kind of as they've done for the last couple of years. If you look at at what was being attempted by the Democrats that was frequently at the pace set by Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin. If you can't get them on board, then you didn't have the majority to pass something in the Senate. Senate's still going to be very close and still going to be very dependent on the centrist candidates. And now the Republican centrists are beginning to play a role. This was kind of a disappointing election for those that are on the more right-wing side of the Republican Party which has emboldened the more moderate side of the Republican Party. And so they're starting to exert themselves as well. What that tends to do is just slow down drama. Um, You've got a little less support to do anything dramatic uh, as far as, as legislative change. Not that it's going to be inactive by any stretch um, and companies will have to watch carefully if somebody gets engaged in in their line of business. Look for a little more attention being paid to endemic issues like worker shortage and even to some extent housing. Um, that's become a priority for both parties which could be an opportunity for a certain amount of, of cooperation across the aisles. When you get the two houses separated, house one in one party, house two in the other, that's when you start to force them to interact with each other, You know, because nothing happens at all if they don't. And now they're focusing on the next big election. So coming up in two years, What they don't want to do is come into the next election having accomplished absolutely nothing for two years. So they're going to want to find ways to get to work with one another. So there you go. That's the closest thing to a political rant that you're going to get from an economist today. Thanks very much, and we will talk again soon.